You're listening to Language Nerds to Earth, a podcast about linguistics, culture, travel, and how they're all connected. Now it's time to meet your language nerd hosts. One in China, one in Spain. It's Patrice and Rachel. everyone i'm patrice and i'm rachel and welcome to language nerds to earth we are on episode number 29 yeah so today i think we're gonna have a pretty interesting topic of talking about face yeah saving face in high context cultures is topic that westerners are really not very familiar with Mm -hmm. and i'm really excited about talking about it and kind of hearing your thoughts and experiences with it too yeah and it's something that you were saying before is fairly nuanced so we're gonna do our best i think to cover it but we're also learning along the way so and we're not from a high context culture which makes it a little harder for us but uh, we're going to try our best. Exactly. So we're exploring this topic. Yeah. We're going to talk about face, why it's so important in Chinese culture especially. And then we have a really funny Lost in Translation moment from Matt in Western Pennsylvania. Yeah. But first we have a review on iTunes. Yay! Yay! So this person said, so smart, so funny. I love how smart and funny these ladies are. I go in knowing I'm going to learn amazing stuff from their research and interviews and find myself giggling at their conversations and jokes. It's like hanging out with your smart friends and it's the best. Yay. Thank you so much. Thanks. This was actually done a few weeks ago, so sorry for not saying anything earlier. I also saw that I think we've gotten a few five-star ratings without any comments, which is also really great. So thank you to everybody who's already left us a review. Yes, we really appreciate it. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And it's inspiration to keep going and not only intrinsic, yeah. but extrinsic. So thank you so much. Um, so we've got some language news mm-hmm. now. So every year, Oxford Dictionary declares a word of the year. And the word for 2017, which was released in December last year, is youthquake. And this is maybe a word that is not super familiar to a lot of people, mm-hmm. but is a word that is on the rise. Apparently, yeah. Actually, it's funny. I, I think my favorite part of this article was that Susie Dent, a consultant to Oxford Dictionaries, talked about this being the word of the year on BBC Radio 4. And the interviewer asked her to use the word youthquake in a sentence, and she couldn't do it. Yeah. So it's a bit of a... An awkward word because there was a youthquake in the 2018 elections, maybe. Like a lot of youth showed yeah. up to vote. So, what does it mean? So, a uh, youthquake is a political awakening amongst young people, or, yeah, in this case, I guess millennials. Mm-hmm. And we're currently experiencing it. So, the Word was first used in the 1960s to describe, you know, the awakening, the political awakening that was happening at that time. Mm -hmm. But I think we're experiencing something kind of similar at the moment. Maybe not with all the same issues, but we have a lot of issues that the youth are actually really starting to make noise about. Yeah. 
Oh, it was also the title of the second album of the group Dead or Alive, which was released in May 1985. So it does have a bit of a history, but most people have never heard of this word. Yeah, so I think they talked about the word as kind of a hopeful word. Like maybe it's not something that is used by everyone, but apparently in 2017, the use increased like by five times. Wow. So they kind of chose it as like to help it move forward and get a little bit more use, I think. Oh, okay. That's nice. And maybe it's like also, you know, when you use a word more, the idea is around more and maybe it's the Oxford Dictionary's attempt to bring hope to the future, especially because I don't know much about British politics, but I think last year was not an easy time for them dealing with yeah. the post-Brexit vote, etc. Yeah, definitely. Sort of like in the US, like the past couple of years, and then the UK, the past couple of years have been politically challenging. Yes, I think so. But we have a lot of stuff to get to in our episode today, so we will leave you with that as far as language news goes. Yeah. Now we are going to get into the concept of face in high context cultures. Yeah, so I guess first we should talk about what is a high context culture. Yeah. It's one of my favorite topics, actually, and I'm surprised we haven't done an episode on it. But for those of you who don't know, a high context culture is one in which, in a nutshell, everything that is not said is just as important as what is said. For example, if I tell you, I don't want to go to the pool today. You're going to take what I say at face value because I'm from the West. And what I say is how is what I think and how I feel. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a high context culture, everything around you is considered in what is perceived to be the truth. So I don't want to go to the pool today. What do my friends want to do? What kind of expressions am I putting forth? And, like, what are your feelings about going to the pool? What do I think your feelings are about going to the pool? Like, everything is really important, and it's a lot more complex. And at times I think it can be very confusing to people in low-context cultures. Definitely. Yeah, because we're used to, as you said, taking things at face value. Yeah. And so if we're suddenly have, like, a lot more context going on, it's hard to really know how to behave or like even like what is going on Mm -hmm. actually it's funny that we both use the term face value you know because now we're talking (laughs) now we're talking about saving face so what is saving face then face could be we don't really have a direct translation in english for Mm -hmm. it so the chinese word is mianji oh never mind so it could be defined as something like dignity or prestige, but that doesn't fully explain what it is. Right. So face is something that everyone has and it can be gained or it can be lost or it can be saved. And it's really, really important in Chinese culture and in high context cultures. Right. And so it's kind of like how people are seen by the rest of their culture and yeah let's go from there (laughs) yeah that's good that's good (laughs) it's it's so hard to put into words just because we don't have a concept for it Mm -hmm. and but it's seen in many 
high context cultures, not only in China. So I have just a little list of examples of face in other cultures before we get into China. So, for example, in the Arab world, you know the story about it's a fable and it might not be true, but Washington chopped down the apple tree and then he told his father the truth about what he did, and then he went on to become president. And this story is used to exemplify his integrity. But in the Arab world, that would be just a totally weird concept. Like when you want to maintain your integrity, you need to craft a nice lie that makes sense, and you make yourself look good by lying about that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. You kind of present the version of yourself that might be good to be true. Right. Does that? Makes sense. Yeah, you want to present the best picture of yourself possible, even if that means lying. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wait, was it a cherry tree or an apple tree? I mean, an apple tree or a I cherry tree? I don't. I'm really bad at specific details on history. <laughs> I think it was a cherry okay. tree. Chop down the cherry tree. That yeah. sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another example, historically, in the Korean culture, becoming the object of rumors was a fate punishable by death. So by choosing death and by killing the object of rumors in a family, a family is able to prove that a rumor is false, <laughs> and that way they can restore the family's good standing. Oh wow! Yeah, that's really intense. But I found this amazing article written by a woman who was married to a, a Korean man, and so she had a lot of interesting stories about maintaining face in Korean culture. So. If we get time for that, we'll definitely talk about it. In any case, we'll link to it in the show notes because it is chock full of fascinating things. Yeah, that's really interesting. Another one uh, in Thai culture, it's really important to show off how wealthy you are. So expensive gold necklaces and large luxury cars are a classic show of face. Mm-hmm. So if you can show people that you have a lot of wealth, then you'll get a lot of respect and that's instant gaining of face right which is funny because thailand is such a buddhist culture yeah kind of a duality totally and finally uh saving face is an important part of mexican culture so if you publicly demean or attempt to humiliate a person their family member or any aspect of mexican culture that would be seen as highly insulting and really bad etiquette so if you ever have any me- issues with a Mexican person, they should be dealt with privately and with dignity. So that's actually, I think, really common in South and Middle America, um, is high-context cultures. And even though they're in the West, they're not necessarily exactly the same as, like, North America. Yeah, and I think I think this is something that we can relate to on a, at a certain level. Mm-hmm. I think so. But at the same time let's say like in U.S. business, traits like accepting criticism and wanting to grow so that just means that you want all the feedback are highly valued as well. But you also see that a lot of people have trouble like taking criticism, especially if it's negative or Mm -hmm. some kind of constructive criticism right because it's hard to listen to that you know you weren't perfect and (laughs) it kind of like lowers your image of yourself yeah but in society overall we're very interested in that and that would be something totally 
unacceptable in countries where face is very important. Let's talk about like how do you gain face or how do you give face to somebody else? So mm-hmm. ways of doing so would be giving high compliments and often and freely. And this is something that maybe as somebody from the U.S. or somebody from like Western Europe might feel a bit awkward or uncomfortable because I don't know, like for me, it would. Yeah. I don't want to hear that many like compliments about myself like in a row. Right. That's true. I mean, I think that's the closest thing we have to the concept of face. Yeah. There was one quote I found that I thought was a good way to kind of conceptualize it. It's it's important to remember that in most Asian cultures, the collective is often more prominent than the individual. So think about it this way. By helping others maintain their face, you save yourself embarrassment. And when you find yourself in a similar situation, you can count on them to help save yours. Yeah. So it's like what you were saying about not wanting to get too many compliments or get too much criticism. I guess... In in our conceptualization of it, it would be like if you have a coworker who constantly puts you down, then maybe you are losing face, and would you want to put that coworker down, or maybe in the future you wouldn't stand up for that coworker, yeah, if th- somebody put them down. I don't know. Yeah, that could work. Another way to give face is to praise someone in front of elders or superiors. Mm-hmm. So this adds on to like the ideas of superiors and levels of society. Mm-hmm. Another teacher had an English class in front of the principal with one of my classes. So they have a Chinese English teacher and a foreign English teacher. And so my boss said, oh, I praised you to the principal after that class. Mm. So... That was, she was definitely giving me face. That's nice. Yeah. Another one is to give high marks on customer evaluation forms. So you're giving a company face. That makes sense. Yeah. Right? Giving a company face and also maybe employees. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you don't want to go around just making people lose face for no reason. Yeah, and especially the customer evaluation forms, when you give the company face... The employee's identity is tied up in the company. So you're giving, like you said, the company and the employee's face. Mm-hmm. Um, another way would be to give an expensive gift. Right. This one's a little bit harder for me to mm-hmm. conceptualize. But I guess you're showing that that person has a lot of value. I think so. You're showing that you value that person. Yeah. But you can't make a big deal out of giving a gift. So Exactly. <laughs> so if you gave somebody, for example, a watch, which you wouldn't do in Chinese culture. You're not supposed to give watches in Chinese culture because it's a reminder of impending death. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but if you gave an expensive gift, like, I'm trying to think of something else. Like a phone? Maybe then you don't want to be like, oh, look how gracious I am. (laughs) Generous. Right. And apparently you should also refuse a gift upon the first offer. Mm -hmm. I went to get a manicure with a friend recently, and we wanted to sit together. And so an older woman moved over to a different chair so that we could sit together. And my friend, who's been here a long time, said, refuse this generosity that she's doing Mm -hmm. for us 
tell her that she really doesn't need to please don't do it and and then accept it in the end right that's interesting yeah are you also giving the other person face by doing that um i think so i think yeah you're showing like what they're doing is so generous and such a burden maybe mm -hmm. that like they are doing something that's really great yeah and so maybe that's giving them face yeah mm -hmm. another way to give face would be to invite someone for an expensive meal or a banquet right and we should mention that invite and treat are different words in english but in most other languages at least in my experience in most other languages they're the same word right meaning you pay for something if you invite somebody to something right so inviting somebody to an expensive meal or banquet means that you're going to pay for it too mm -hmm. losing face situations these are things that i wish i'd known before i'd come to asia the first time yeah because one that makes a big difference that westerners do all the time is being openly emotional in public like angry or confused or upset you are losing face and you're causing others around you to lose face right so, like if you get frustrated about something and you're like ah, you know if that happens then it's very embarrassing for others around you yeah and you've caused shame upon yourself and them for witnessing this so what's important is to maintain a calm outward demeanor always if you feel anything you keep it bottled up inside of you yeah and that is really hard yeah like if you come from a different culture that doesn't value that and you're in a place where you don't understand anything exactly and i would even say that maybe like in the u.s we value like kind of transparency mm -hmm. and releasing your feelings and <laughs> so that's yeah. something really really different and I mean I'm sure I've done it as well when I was in Asia yeah I always use the example of a grocery store mm -hmm. because it's like the most common place where I go and I'm interacting with non-westerners yeah so in the grocery store I've had, I don't want to say outbursts, but it's where I feel I'm most myself in front of Chinese people. <laughs> like, where's the cheese? Yeah. So, yeah. Watch out for the grocery store Westerners who go to Asian cultures. Yeah. Definitely. And yeah. I think this kind of goes into openly criticizing, challenging, or disagreeing with someone. Mm -hmm. So that causes the other person to lose face. And especially if their superiors or elders are present. Mm -hmm. Another way you can cause somebody to lose face is by revealing their lack of knowledge or ability. For example, if they have poor English skills. That is one way to cause shame upon them. Yeah. And if you point that out. Right. Like you should probably compliment them even if it's not the best. Yeah. And I don't know. They all, like in the TEFL, they also told us you're never going to be like, oh, you suck. Like, <laughs> right. You of know, course. you always want to like compliment them. And that way it's also more encouraging. But it's especially mm -hmm. important in countries where face is an issue yeah so like i've had students in spain who are like oh my english is terrible and i'm like no it's it's good and then they're like really oh but <laughs> i think it's a little bit different because 
they're kind of expecting me to tell them, yeah, you need to improve a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. Do you think face is a concept in Spanish culture? Or do people appreciate being more direct? No, people are very direct. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Openly angry, openly... Okay, so totally the opposite. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit different than what we're talking about, but people in Spain are really direct, like... Mm-hmm. The culture of like politeness doesn't exist that much, mm-hmm. or like also customer service. So people are just like, "Tell me what you want, and I'll see if I'll do it." Like, yeah, like waiters, bartenders are not the friendliest. No, <laughs> and if you ask for too much, they'll be like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like, I have to bring you another like glass of water. I. No, which already isn't that normal, but <laughs> yeah. But even like sometimes it's like, can I please pay? And it's like, oh, fine. <laughs> I have to do my job. That's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. That's what happens when you get outside the culture of tipping. Yeah, exactly. Especially. Yeah, I guess that's one nice thing about in China. People who work at a restaurant always want to like make a good impression for their company. So. Even though there's no tipping, they're always very deferential. Okay, that makes sense. Um, Speaking of deference. Yeah. Not showing the proper deference to one's elders or superiors is a way of making them lose face. And yourself, Mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah, I think that's harder for people from a low-context culture who work in a high-context culture work environment. Mm -hmm. When you don't show deference to your superiors, I think that can be a source of conflict. Definitely, yeah. This one, actually, I really like because I just got an example of it today. Uh, Calling someone out on a lie will cause them to lose face. Mm. So Seth sent me a message from his school. He was really annoyed because he was told last week that a lot of his classes would be canceled this week. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he got to school and he didn't have a lot planned because he didn't need to have a lot planned. And he found out that all of the midterms would be moved to next week. So then he did have classes. Oh. <laughs> and and so one of his coworkers was talking to a Chinese coworker. And the Chinese coworker said, oh, this is to help train adaptability and flexibility. That's why they changed it. And it was like, that's not why, <laughs> I'm sure that's not why you just like changed plans at the last minute. Right. But it was a teacher and she was probably trying to help maintain the face of her company. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was not happy about that. I can imagine. Yeah. It's kind of stressful showing up to your classes and you don't have anything really. Yeah. Nothing prepared. It's rough. <laughs> So another way that you can make somebody lose face is by turning down an invitation outright instead of kind of going around and saying like, oh, maybe, or not something so direct. Mm-hmm. I think this kind of goes back to um, what we were talking about at the beginning about lying to either preserve somebody's feelings or the image of yourself. Mm-hmm. Because at least if you are non-committal or you make up a little lie, then 
you have spared their dignity. Exactly. This is also sometimes the case in China when somebody's late for something. I was supposed to meet somebody when we first got here because I needed to give the person the deposit for our apartment Mm -hmm. and you can only withdraw so much money at a time. So it took us a few days to withdraw the money to give to him. And I was supposed to meet him at one o'clock. So at 12.55, it was like during my lunch break. At 12.55, I was like, okay, I'm here. I'm waiting. And he said, okay, I will be maybe a little bit late. So maybe a little bit late. What's that? Like five, ten minutes? And... Five, ten minutes later, I'm like, hey, Wilson, uh, I need to go at 1.15. Can you be here by then? And he said, maybe not. (laughs) Okay. So not only an invitation, but if he had told me the truth, then it would have been easier for me to, like, plan my day. Like, okay, I can't do this now, obviously, because he forgot to meet me and he's on his way now. Right. He's probably, like, frantically on his way, but he totally forgot. Yeah. (laughs) So we had to, like, reschedule the time. It was a pain. So my Chinese tutor also says sometimes you don't say something is bad. You say it's not very good. Oh, okay. Interesting. (laughs) Because saying something is bad or saying no is too direct. Right. And it makes the other person lose face. Mm -hmm. We've kind of talked about this already, but... Just to recap on what face is, everybody in all cultural backgrounds possess some kind of self-image or value, and they want that self-image or value to be appreciated and respected by other members of the community. So everybody can relate to that, I think. Right, and being accepted by your community or your social group is something that is really key to long-term survival. Mm-hmm. It's kind of instinctive. If you're on your own and kind of an outcast, then you're not going to survive long. Mm -hmm. But if you're part of a community or a group, that provides protection. But it's also you have to be accepted by that group. So this is kind of like an instinct, I think, to have that acceptance. But there are different levels of it. Yeah, exactly. So basically, it just goes to show you how this survival need, like you were saying, evolved in other cultures Mm -hmm. um, across the world in the west where we're more individualistic it's all about like i'm good or i'm bad or you know i'm i need to do what's best for me Mm -hmm. whereas you know face is not only a personal thing it's also a thing about your relationships so everything in especially eastern cultures depends on your guanxi, your relationships with people. Right. And if you muck that up by doing something that brings shame or guilt to you and the people around you, then that has really big consequences. Yeah. For not only yourself, but others. Yeah. And I read somewhere that purposefully causing someone to lose face can result in an enemy for life. Yeah. It can be a generations-long consequence. Yeah. So I love this article that I read about face in Korea. Like I said, it's not only in Chinese culture, but it's in many, many high-context cultures. Mm -hmm. So I'll just read a little bit of it here. Um, The word face is one of the most frequently used words in idioms and idiomatic expressions, which is really interesting to me and as a language nerd (laughs) uh, 
So it says, my face is wrinkled means I'm ashamed or discredited. You have smeared my face with black ink means you have disgraced my dignity. His face is wide means he has many influential friends. Mm. And one has no face to see means he is very sorry for what has happened. Mm. His face is even or smooth means he is nice looking in a derogatory way. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> And my face itches is used in a context in which a person receives an exaggerated compliment or service. In case a person does not meet another's expectation, he's often referred to being a person not worth even his face value. Hmm. To indicate an impudent person, he has thick facial skin, or even a weasel has a face is frequently used. <laughs> An imprudent person naturally has thin facial skin. Imprudent means not showing care for the consequences of an action. Rash. Oh, right. So a rash person has thin facial skin. Okay. Impudent means not showing due respect for another person or impertinent. Oh, uh, okay. Cheeky. So thick and thin facial skin are both bad things. Yeah. You want to have that normal <gasps> level. Normal thickness. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, actually, in Chinese, a serious insult is to say that somebody has a big face. Oh, really? Yeah. So, yeah, face is really, really important in Korean culture. It's actually, face saving is more valuable to many Koreans than life itself. Wow. That goes back, I guess, to those killings. Yeah, the honor killings mm -hmm. in India. Actually, also, you remember the Sewol ferry crash that killed 100 students or yeah. 200 students. Yeah. The uh, captain of that boat killed himself. Right. Better than losing so much face. And... Right. He didn't feel like he had anything to live for at that point. Yeah. It was a really, really terrible tragedy that could have been avoided, but they were being so unsafe. Were you there for that? No. Was that before or after you went to Korea? After. Okay. Yeah, it's such a small country. I had students who were like, my cousin died on that ferry. Wow. Or like somebody I know died on that ferry. It's amazing. Wow. So Koreans, they put self-control and social control together, sadness and smiles, shame and guilt, attachment and detachment. So it's very fascinating. I think it has something to do with how many levels of hierarchy there are in the society mm -hmm. and how complex social connections are yeah that's really interesting some examples a woman who's not married in korea might feel guilt toward her family for staying unmarried a korean woman might let go of her beloved on the grounds that she's too much in love with him to hold him a korean would blindly say to his superior yes i will work overtime to help finish the project Overriding the fact that his sick wife is waiting to be operated on in the hospital. Uh, so there was one story this woman was talking about that was in like a Korean news website that mm -hmm. she found. A man's wife was about to give birth in a hospital and they said, you know, she needed surgery. This was like at noon or something that she would need surgery. So he was like, okay, I'll come immediately after work. And... Like, 6 o'clock came, time for him to leave, but a few minutes before, his boss was like, hey, could you stay overtime and, like, 
keep working on this project and the man who's like internally oh my god i have to get to the hospital my wife's about to give birth Mm -hmm. externally he's like yeah of course this is really important to me and i should stay and continue working and so he stayed there until 3 a.m because he didn't want his boss to lose face by not knowing that he was in a hard situation right um and he didn't want to lose face making it look like you know he cared about his wife more than the company right definitely (sighs) yeah so it's really a concept that like we've said it's hard to conceptualize but it is really important when you're going to a high context culture to know how to save face and how to behave so that People who are foreign to a culture don't have face. Like, I don't have face in Chinese culture. Mm. But it's important to others that I maintain their face through my own behavior. Oh, wow. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's it's complicated, but yeah. Yeah. So, because I don't have family here, and I don't have... I'm not really anywhere on the Chinese hierarchy. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of like a little island. Right. I think... It makes sense. I don't know. It's really hard to describe. You get it. <laughs> I get it conceptually. I don't know if I could put it into words, but yeah. But yeah. So I guess that brings us to a question. Do you have anything you'd like to add to what we said about face and face gaining, face losing, saving? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah, let us know. And definitely, I left out a lot of details in this article about Saving Face in Korea. So if you want to know more details about it, it's really fascinating. Uh, The author also talks about how uh, the head is so important, the face and the head. So, for example, you are not supposed to wear anything on your head when you're going in front of superiors. So when she went in front of her in-laws her her father and mother-in-law she wasn't allowed to wear her glasses oh even glasses. even though she's like super nearsighted wow yeah there were so many interesting things she said and stories she told so i would highly recommend it cool yeah, yeah. so we will link that up mm-hmm. and now one of our favorite segments mm-hmm. lost, lost in translation, translation. So, this week we have a Lost in Translation moment from Matt in Western Pennsylvania. So, let's give him a listen. My name is Matt. I'm from the U.S., uh, Southwestern Pennsylvania. I have a Lost in Translation story. So, when I was teaching in Korea, I had a kindergarten class and some students came into the office and they uh, were saying something about coffee uh, but I misheard them and I thought they said kopi uh, which is nose and blood like nosebleed so I ran into the room to get a tissue and find a kid that had a bloody nose but nothing was really happening in the room so I wasn't sure what to do and then whenever I went back into the office and started drinking my coffee again I realized they were just saying coffee because I was sitting there drinking coffee and it's not really a big uh, catastrophic you know uh, language barrier problem but it was an interesting day I guess that's funny Uh, 
I thought that one was really cute. Yeah, that is cute. It didn't cause any, like, life-changing events, but in Korea, the word for coffee is kopi. Kopi, Kopi, which sounds similar, I guess, to, like, kopi. Right. Sounds very similar. (laughs) Yeah. It's really cute. Yeah. I mean, when you're learning a foreign language, it's little things like that that help you... Never forget the difference between coffee and nosebleed. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't know that word for nosebleed, so... Oh, yeah. If you work in a school, you learn that word. <laughs> Kids always get nosebleeds. I guess that's a kid thing. And yeah, coal is nose and pee is blood. Also rain. Hmm. Interesting. So thank you so much, Matt, yeah. for that Lost in Translation moment. Thank you. It's great. <laughs> Um, and to send us your Lost in Translation, you can either send us a voice memo to our email at languagenerdsdoearth at gmail.com mm-hmm. or on our website we have even a little button where you can record it and it sends it to us automatically. Yep. So whatever you prefer, it's up to you. But just send it th- to us. Please. It'd be great. <laughs> You can help others learn other languages with your linguistic misunderstandings. And remember, it doesn't always have to be linguistic. We've had some really, really interesting ones that are cultural. So if you have been completely baffled by something in another country or another culture and you'd like to share that, that's also a form of Lost in Translation, and we'd love to hear it. Yes, definitely. It'd be great. So please send that to us. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We are on pretty much all podcast apps, so just get on there and press the subscribe button so you can get your episodes fresh out the oven. Mm -hmm. Follow us on social media. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Yeah, and please leave us a review, just like that lovely person from last week or two weeks ago. They really help people to find us and help the show be more visible. So it would really be helpful to us, and it's just a few minutes. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Thank you to everybody else who's already left us a review as well. Mm -hmm. And make sure to tell your friends about it if you enjoy the show. And if you have a friend who's interested in language and or culture and or travel as you know we cover all of those things we rotate themes in case you haven't noticed yet (laughs) so speaking of which next week our episode is going to be about getting off the beaten path when you travel yeah i'm actually really looking forward to that episode because that's what we're gonna do next year we're planning on going to Thailand and Mongolia, probably. Ooh, fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's something I think that can be challenging to do, but we're going to try and give you some tips on how to go about it. Definitely. Okay, well, I think that's all we've got for this week. So thanks so much for listening, everyone, and see you next time. Yeah, have a good week. Bye. Bye.